you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast does four hours of independent study per week. (laughs) From the Chris Wessling podcast studio and Keith and Deb's kitchen, it's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis, joined by two heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, Boys, it's ATN coast to coast for week seven, the preview show. For such a great reason. You're, you know, you're home uh, surprising your dad uh, on his birthday weekend. I think we can handle this. We're going to have to, though, bring extra energy, Mark, I think, to just like send that energy over to New York. I totally agree. I, Dan, I just <laughs> I'd like to know what kind of breakfast your mom made you uh, back in your home, childhood home. What, what happened there? It's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, it's fall in New York here in the lower Hudson Valley. Uh, Valley. The, foli- the foliage is just off the charts. Beautiful. Uh, Deb uh, prepared some eggs with uh, onions, oh, wow. uh, a little bit of ham, and then some paprika, which is a uh, a, a trick uh, of Deb's for it's years. Nice so, you know, it, it, tastes, it tastes like home here. It feels like home. I'm wearing my orange autumnal uh, button down to celebrate uh, actually feeling what fall is like again. And I will tell you, I'll tell you something else, boys. Obviously, the Yankees in the playoffs right now. So it's a good sports scene here. It's on in New York City uh, with the Jets and Giants. Uh, people going nuts here. Uh, talk to a cabbie. I talked to a guy at the airport. Uh, there is a lot of positive buzz. And of course, the Giants are getting more of it here because this, this is more of a Giants town than a Jets town. But you feel that pulsation that has not been happening in a long time this part, in this neck of the woods. Andy, I think you can respond to them as a Jets fan. Yeah, the, Gi- the Giants are 5-1. and one, uh, But the Jets are better and have more talent. Let's be real. That's what I would tell them. Just to start. That's fights. how you handle I a think- cabbie. I think that's a good move with a cabbie. Just uh, get confrontational <laughs> as Greg would. Uh, so you know how it is. Nothing changes uh, for the preview show. We're going to do uh, all the games uh, to come here in week seven. Greg, it's crazy how it flies, buddy. 
just the it's the, the season just flies. yeah keeps moving. It moves along and it's faster than we expected. How, how did uh, people? I hope you're checking out all the ATN content, the QB Index Haiku Special. Um, hearing a lot of good buzz about it. Uh, please check it out if you have not yet. I mean, it was a it was a raging hit because I looked at the <laughs> metrics and the ratings behind it. And I don't know what to attribute it to, but um. Off the charts participation from the listeners and also an interactive episode where they kept tweeting us saying, please, more of this. It was it was delightful as it was happening on the ears. Yeah. Wow. It was a pre-recorded show that had a high interaction level. In, That's in, right. I think if we can get transit. Mark reading poetry in general, we should mix that more into the program moving forward. It's always a winner. You know what? I bet the listeners would love it. And you know what, Mark? Let's just put that on your plate for on a weekly manner. Uh, <laughs> we need 32 haikus every Wednesday, Wednesday 6 a.m., and then we'll do a recording. That's when I hit like Craigslist and hire an intern from USC to write, start writing my content, which we've, which I've done before, and it, where it's quite successful. Yes, you you will undoubtedly reach out to an intern at USC um, at some point. All right, let's get into the game, starting with the primetime action as we always do before we hit the draft. And on Sunday night football, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers at two and four at the Miami Dolphins, three and three, and the big story. Around this one, Greggy, is Tua is expected to return. Um, he, as we knew, as we expected, this was going to be a different process uh, than a typical player, given the high-profile nature of his uh, particular head injury. So even though he was cleared last week, he was not playing. Now another week passes. They feel comfortable. Obviously, people are going to be watching it closely to see how Tua reacts and and. Thank, uh, hopefully he's going to be okay, but it's going to be a, a big lift to Miami who, after a, a big start to the season, things have gone sideways. It, they have, and I don't necessarily think it's because of the quarterback position. They've certainly gotten luck, or bad luck, where in three games in a row now, they've had their starting quarterback knocked out in the first half. And yet, I don't think their quarterback play is really the reason they keep losing these games. Mike McDaniels had a bad month because I think the way he handled Tua's concussion uh, publicly uh, was problematic. And I, I don't think he looked good. And I, I'm surprised how little he seems to have reflected and have regrets about how he's handled it publicly. Yet, I think he's such a good coach. I was watching Teddy and Skylar Thompson look pretty good last week. I was surprised you were so hard on Teddy, uh, Mark, on the recap show. They moved the ball, and this Steelers defense is a defense you can move the ball against. I have more confidence that Tua Tungavailoa and his great wide receivers, of course, will move the ball up and down the field than I had for Tom Brady moving the ball up and down the field on Pittsburgh. I just don't think this is a defense that's going to slow them down much. Yeah, I mean, I, watching that Dolphins game, I kind of was wondering why, or with the Bucks steelers game, why Tom Brady didn't take more shots downfield because I think you can do that against Pittsburgh. They're the 30th pass defense in the league, and it's set up well for Tua, for Jalen Waddell, for Tyreek Hill, I think, to make plays. You know, before Tua went out, he was nine yards per attempt, highest in the league, mm. tops in the league. He also, though, I think something hidden in his game, he's a 4.9 turnover-worthy play rate this year, which is six in the league. There have been a couple. He's been lucky on some would-be interceptions, on some fumbles that got recovered by the Dolphins. The biggest thing for me, Teron Armstead is back at practice. If he's back in the lineup, that is a big part for their offense because without him, they have struggled with backup left tackles there. And you look at uh, statistically – 
it during the three game losing streak, they've averaged just 16 points a game. Uh, but even the week one through three, you say, oh, 27.7. But a lot of that was done in that huge shootout comeback win they had uh, in week two. So I'm very interested to see where this offense is at. I think it's interesting, even with the points down during Tua's absence, you know, Waddle and Hill, they were getting theirs in most of these games. Even the games game against the Jets where they didn't put up big numbers, they gained 100 yards and pass interference penalties. So, you know, even I wrote about it earlier this week that you almost hit pause on their season the moment Tua's head smacked the turf in Cincinnati. Uh, but I also really interested to see if this fixes things, quote unquote, and they get on on a back to their winning ways, because let's face it, this is a game they should win at home. First primetime Sunday night game in a while against the Steelers team that, you know, what they are at this stage. Miami's got to win or you got to reexamine where they stack up in the AFC playoff mix. I agree. And yet I think these are both underrated teams. Like I, I think we, everyone's given up on Pittsburgh because they started one and four. Every single game they've played has come down to the final play of the game except for the Bills game. And everyone remembers that Bills game. It was a terrible game. I get it. But the other five against kind of mid-level teams all came down to the final possession. Now, they're going to start Kenny Pickett, it appears, in this game. He's coming off a concussion as well, but he practiced fully. And the reporting is that he will play. Trubisky played so well coming off the bench that I actually was curious to see if somehow that – loosened him up because he was much more aggressive, but we're not going to find out because it, it looks like it's going to be Pickett. Uh, but hopefully he throws the ball down the field a little more like like he had been uh, to his receivers. Claypool got off last week. I thought the Dolphins defense played their best game of the season by far last week. Really looked like their old selves against Minnesota for the most part. I think this is a, a sneaky good game, and I hate uh, giving the Dolphins seven points. This is not even in the lock zone. The Dolphins Too much are wood. Yeah, are so, too much wood. so favored. I, I think these are two teams. It'll be a, a it's not like two Super Bowl contenders, but it'll be a good game. I, I do attribute some of what Miami's defense did to Minnesota, just the Vikings way of life where they had like about 28 three and outs and then two beautiful drives that went for touchdowns. But I think you can you can obviously uh, you thrive against the Steelers offense. But I love that Pickett's back in there because I think hmm. you, you can, if you look at his you know the turnovers and stuff, a lot of that to me masks what he's been is a, a, an aggressive downfield thrower who makes better use of their weapons. I know Trubisky looked great in relief, but I would not want to continue with Mitch Trubisky when you got Pickett showing the, showing up the way he has. All right, should be a good game on Sunday night. Let's pivot now to the Monday night football matchup. And Greggy, it works up, works out well for you. You uh, handle our Monday night football recap every week, and now it's your team. Uh, you know, on some level, the New England Patriots uh, that will be hosting the Chicago Bears. I don't need to see the Bears again in prime time, but we've we've talked about it. It just happens. It is what it is. It's the market. So the Bears are back in prime time once again to face a Patriots team that's really found itself in the last two weeks here, Mark. They won 29 zip, obviously, against Detroit. Then they beat up on your team. Well, maybe your team, maybe not the Browns. And now they get the Bears, which seems like another plus matchup, especially in. Oh, I whew, this is a game I would think about locking. At home, you're not allowed. They're too. They're too big of a favorite. That's unbelievable. A little surprising yeah. too. At home in prime time against Justin Fields, who has shown signs of growth the last two weeks. But I've seen it before. 
Justin Fields could be seeing ghosts, Sizzler, on Monday night. I think if you're Bill Belichick, you're absolutely adoring what's unfolded over the past fortnight and what will come on Monday night. This is a great matchup for the Patriots. And I think one thing, if you look at their metrics as a run defense, they're low. It doesn't look good. But then they, what they, they put the clamps on the Lions. And they did the same to the Browns a week ago. 70 yards. That Cleveland ground game has demolished people. And Belichick specialized against that. And what did, what did the Bears do well? Well, with Justin Fields, they've run the ball really well with their backfield, with Khalil Herbert as well. And so if that's the, if that's the formula and they can shut down Chicago on the ground, which I, I think they're going to be able to based on the last two weeks, then you're asking the Bears to make money through the air. And that is a big problem. I mean, Justin Fields is on pace for fewer completions and attempts you have to go back to like Doug Williams with the 79 bucks to find a comparison. Wow. It's just not, they're not a modern day passing offense right now. You, you can squint and see it at times, but it's really been when they've been good on the ground that they've done anything on offense. And this is a tough matchup. Patriots struggle with athletic running quarterbacks over the years because they play this sound defense that can stop like the logical plays. And Justin Fields is a great runner. So maybe they'll break that out a little more. They really haven't much, but I've seen enough out of this Patriots defense that they do well against mediocre or worse quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Historically. I mean, they they can do it, and they've got a nice little secondary going. They've got three safeties out there almost every step. Adrian Phillips is playing great. they got these two rookies, Jack and Marcus Jones. They're playing great, and this game means a lot, Danny, to Bill Belichick. It's crazy. The NFL schedule makers absolutely put this game on Monday Night Football in this spot with the hopes that Bill Belichick would be passing George Hallis, the, the great uh, Bears grand poofah, on Monday Night Football. <laughs> and it worked out. I guess they knew he could have been either tying or breaking, so there was right. like a chance sure. either way. It's good. And they got it. And we saw last week, and this I'm you can say I'm like only partly a Patriots fan. Well, I'm a full Belichick fan, and I love how much this means to him. He's not even hiding it. Like, it means so much to him, and he, he's having the Patriots, like, go check out the Jim Brown name and statue in Cleveland. It's all connected, and he's talking about the history, and he's talking about seven minutes of house. I, I'm sorry. i got to stop ranting, yeah. but this means a lot to him, so I love it's happening in practice. Uh, listen, Belichick, even me, as you know, time has went on now, and we've moved out of the Brady era, I have a much, much warmer feeling about Belichick, and I think he deserves uh, all these big moments that are going to come his way now at this point, so this is a nice setup, and yeah, again, We've seen too many of these games, uh, these primetime New England games. And I know Brady's not there anymore, but Bill devours young quarterbacks in these type of settings. This does feel like a multiple touchdown win. I hope it's not because I want to see entertaining football. And also, I know, Greg, I'm, I'm kind of picking up that you're trying to let the schedule makers off the hook for giving us the Broncos five weeks out of six by saying they nailed this. But you're right. No, I'll give them credit. I'm not they saying did. They, yes. they. Oh, OK. Yeah. I'll give you credit for this one because they did. They really did to kind of I'm sure this was part of their internal thinking that the Patriots would have around this record at this time. So it works out. We'll turn it. It's going to be a, a celebration of Bill by the second half. Totally. Yes. Quick, quickly, by the way, uh, the Bears are at 10 a.m. every single game the rest of the season on the West Coast. 1, Where are they 1, belong? 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, and we should mention Mac Jones is expected to be available for this game, according to uh, Mike Reese from ESPN. And he is ex expected to start um, this game, according to Jeff Howe at The Athletic. And that uh, goes with a lot of local reporting that in 
side the building. They were never considering going away from Mac Jones, at least not at this point. Greg, I think if what I got to take there. I mean, this what this is, feels like the Cooper Dak situation where no quarterback controversy. But if you have a young player in a, playing really well in a very positive game script situation and the guy that's recovering has the type of injury that could be easily aggravated, which a high ankle sprain absolutely can. We've learned that. Why not go with Zappy and give Mac one more week? If and let's say that Mac Jones ever came into this game and struggled after two fine Zappy starts and Bill Belichick, for some reason, this went south. He doesn't eclipse Papa Bear George Hallis because of a bag Mac Jones game, then tell me that New England won't be going nuts <laughs> over the concept that Zappi, this isn't Dak Prescott because Mac Jones does, has a rookie contract. If Zappi is getting better play out of Bill Belichick's offense, I think Zappi got, got to come back Here's in the, the lineup. I just love saying his name. They're already <laughs> going crazy. There's a total controversy among, there the, absolutely among is. the fans and the media. There was all this like negative Mac Jones stuff I didn't even know about. Like Michael Lombardi was putting out there a few weeks ago the way he was playing and the way he was reacting to coaching and all this stuff. But I would just say from a football vantage point, there is nothing Bailey Zappi did over the last two weeks against two of the worst defenses in the league with great protection and great game plans that Mac Jones couldn't have done. And Mac Jones showed so much last year, and I think even a higher level, even in that Ravens game this year, that I don't think they would consider that. And Dan, I'd flip it the other way, or Mark, you too, is that (laughs) this is another easy matchup. I don't think they would want Zappi to have another great game with Mac on the sideline. It gets harder. That's exactly right, Supposedly, there's been reporting that Mac Jones was quite upset that they wouldn't clear him last week, that he felt ready to go, and they he thought last week they were playing it too safe. Not upset, but he was really disappointed. He thought he could play, and he was practicing. And so he's ready. I mean, to if go. you give Zappy two or three more starts, and he's he's a crystal gem, you've got major issues to deal they with. They found ter- something though. They found I, a nice, uh, at worst, backup quarterback in Zappy. That's he was good. great in college. Too. My my final word is forwards on this are Zappy ain't no slappy. <laughs> That's fitting. <laughs> Let's now Put move. Put it on a shirt. Let's move to the draft, and uh, the old Zeuser is back with the number one overall pick. And I went through the games. I combed through them. And I was going down the list, and I'm like, uh-oh. Am I in a, a my own Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher situation? And then, bang, <laughs> I hit the 425 kickoff, uh, Kansas City Chiefs at San Francisco 49ers. That is the first overall pick of the draft. It's an easy one. It is a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years back in Miami. Or, Mark, as, as you know, uh, the one with J-Lo and Shakira as you often talk That's how about. That's how I identify it, correct? Right. Uh, but here we are now with the Chiefs uh, coming off a sting- stinging loss at home to Buffalo. They traveled to San Francisco. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. If you if you listen to the Power Rings podcast, you know it's really annoying that there's no clear fourth best team in the league. To me, the Chiefs are the clear third best team. I want San Francisco to be the fourth best team in the league. It makes sense that they should be. But I had him dropping uh, down because, Greggy, these injuries can no longer be annoy- uh, ignored uh, for San Francisco. They finished Sunday's game with four of 11 projected starters uh, on their defense and 11 of 22 overall. Um, so Crazy. they are going through it right now. And you saw the cracks showing and taking nothing away from Atlanta. But you absolutely saw the cracks showing in week six. 
Yeah, then so they've gotten some good news. This qualify, I, I would say it's definitely good news. Trent Williams and Nick Bosa, two of the best players that have been hurt, were back at practice, and so it looks like they're going to be back. Jimmy Ward, who is another important piece of their secondary, uh, was also back. So it looks like they'll get three of those players back, but that still means you're missing seven or eight. It won't, you know, one's not coming back, and and one of those players that probably is going to be out is Charvarius Ward, who's been really good in the secondary, and this is a secondary game. So Hufanga, your Hufanga. guy, there we go, suffered a concussion, Yeah, and it, it's really interesting how little attention that's got. He suffered a concussion in the game. He passed the concussion protocol testing on the sidelines. He re-entered the game and finished it, and then he showed up on Monday with severe, or I, I shouldn't say severe, but he self-reported concussion symptoms, and it sounds like he's not uh, going to play this week, which is basically an admittance that they should not have allowed him to return to the game, and they did, and he suffered a concussion that's now got you know more injury to that to his head. So it's like, yeah, you're playing it safe with the quarterbacks, but no one really cares about the safeties or the all like the whole idea that like, oh, they're playing it too safe. Uh, I don't think that's really happening. You can still fake out these guys. And it's disappointing because I'd love to see Hufanga in this specific game because they're going to need him. And I feel like they have a great defense, a great secondary, but we're not really going to get to see the full secondary against the Chiefs. It's a shame because this is the best defense in the league right now. I mean, you know, even at this stage, they're giving up 1.16 points per drive, which is the best in the league by a bunch. But they're playing the Chiefs, who score 2.77 per drive, which Mm. is best in the league. I kind of love what the Chiefs did against the Bills, seeing Juju Smith-Schuster make big plays start to emerge. They haven't really had the benefit of one of these wide receivers really stepping up. I think it's going to matter in this game. But I... the, the. to me, the acid test is how many Niners players are on defense. I mean, no matter who you are, if you're going to miss seven or eight guys, you're so compromised. And what team can you imagine, what coach, what quarterback combination than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to make use of that? Yeah, they, they have, they're averaging just about 30 points a game, Kansas City. So they're, they're going to put up points, obviously. So the question becomes, can San Francisco keep pace? And we'll see. I, Greg, you got on, I heard you in the newsroom on Sunday getting on the foul, uh, the San Francisco offense unable to get into comeback mode. I watched a game. I couldn't totally agree because they had a penalty that wiped out a big play. They had a huge drop by uh, it wasn't Kittle, I believe, is the backup tight end that would have set them up. They did get Jimmy the, G played fine. Yeah, but I don't. You still I'm, had a, You still had an eight minute fourth quarter drive that yes, barely made the. Right I understand zone. that. I understand that. But this offense that. It, it looks like that way until one of the Yak brothers goes, and that's kind of the way they're built. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they just scored 14 points, and they got shut out in the second half, and that's why you got to feel really good about the Chiefs here uh, against the beaten-down defense. This is a game I feel pretty confident the Chiefs are going to take care of business. Ooh, is he going to lock it up? No, no, no. I have a team that I'm way more confident in this week. But uh, I think I, yes. you know what? I am going to, I, I know they want this, me to tell them this a long time ago, but I'm going to lock up the <laughs> Chiefs because I feel good about this situation. There we go. Lock, lock of the up. week. You know what I don't love about the Niners is I, I think that certainly with their defense compromised, they are a team that I, when they play with a lead, and we saw it like when they play the Rams, they get up, they're punishing on defense, and they can run the ball and cause havoc. They're unstoppable. But they, they have had in three games over the last four weeks really low returns on their ground game. This isn't a typical Shanahan run attack. Yeah, they're, been, they're searching for something. I think that's their identity. And, and then, then the yards after the catch and all the other stuff. Then Jimmy G's in a better place. So I think, I think Kansas City coming off a, a loss that they're agitated by, uh, they're going to come out firing. This feels like the first time Sestog has ever locked against Kyle Shanahan. 
potentially. It is, but go look go look at his numbers when he's down late in the third quarter. It's pretty crazy. They're not a comeback well, team. Well, check a lot of teams' numbers when they're down late in the third quarter. The stats are probably Wait, too his friendly. His are actually like you would think that the Shanahan's would be at least average or fine. Right. They stand out as a big problem and a big hole in his in his resume, I'd say. I think I do think this is a dangerous game for the Chiefs though too. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I do I would not feel comfortable locking this because I just think the 49ers <laughs> coming off a loss. I think they're don't a good tell team. Mark that. That. I shouldn't say Oh, that. I don't it doesn't affect my decision at all. Because it, I, I I don't even remember who I locked The a week injury ago, report so. is a big part of it. Like last week they didn't have their right. entire defensive line. If they get two of them back, including Bosa, like that's that's a big difference. It also we'll can't see. be it can't be Debo or nothing on that offense. So I, I want to point out also as, fr- as frustrating as that second half was for San Francisco, Kittle was, you know, on yeah. Jimmy G's radar and Brandon Ayuk got in the end zone twice. Big game for you. You know, I would I would not feel comfortable here locking up the Chiefs personally. Why are we but... doing this? What, we shouldn't do this, Dan. Just let them stay. <laughs> no, but this is more fun. You can see the, the mind at work, the gears turning, the pain. I don't because they'll just switch to a better locker. So he's already I'm with doing myself. It. Also, <laughs> I, I Ter- listen. terrible strategy by us. Terrible All right, strategy. no, it was a great, it was a great lock, Mark. All right, I let's, love it. Let's take a break. <laughs> it does not sway me one way or the other. Okay, good. Alert. Good. Good. Now we've uh, cornered him into not. Yeah. Well, now, oh, yeah. Show a weakness of character. He, he just, yeah, he just dug in his heels. So we're set. Good job, Greg. All right, let's take a break and the draft will roll on. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back. The draft rolls on. Greggy on the clock. Okay, sometimes you got to just draft the draft that's in front of you. And it's important to get a good uh, 
125 Pacific game. I'm taking Seahawks Chargers with the second overall pick. Higher than I wanted to, but did not want to get stuck with Texans Raiders, uh, which is the other option there if Dan gets the Jets game. And uh, I really want to watch this game anyways. What am I talking about? Geno versus Justin Herbert, two of my absolute favorites, and a game that feels winnable for the Seahawks. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm shocked that they're six and a half point underdogs in this game. I think the Chargers have a lot of problems. Yes, they could get to their bye week at five and two, and then it would feel like none of it mattered. And it just that doesn't feel like the path this Chargers team is taking to me. They feel more like a four and three type of team at their bye that struggled with a lot of injuries. I was encouraged to see what the Seahawks did defensively a week ago. They did make some changes. They'd been playing this style of defense where they're just trying to hold up blockers up front and let the linebackers make plays behind it. Last year, they came after, last week rather, they came after the the, uh, Cardinals and they're Defensive line, which I thought was going to be good this year, played well. Daryl uh, Taylor has had, had a great game. Nuoso has been good all year. The defensive tackles with, with Puna Ford are kind of underrated. Shelby Harris like, just gives me a feeling that this Pete Carroll trend, that his defense always starts really bad and then he improved to average could happen here. Uh, and I think average yeah. defenses can slow down this Chargers team. <laughs> yeah. not buying this Danny, you're not buying it. Greggy. It's it's wishful thinking. Greg. I'm a Seahawks well, fan now. This is where we land. Your fandom is coloring your analysis here, but that's okay. That happens. I don't think so. Here, here's the thing. Um, just be careful because the defense, the offense that they shut down last week is broken. It's busted. So that's one thing. But here's the good news. I don't know okay. if the Chargers are that far off under their fearless leader there, Brandon Staley, because that offense we watched on uh, Monday night for the Chargers against Denver was eerily reminiscent of watching Cardinals football where it just seemed disjointed and they weren't playing to the strengths of their quarterback and so many fruitless drives. I think Seattle's catching Los Angeles and in general the schedule where they have a potential to, yes, build on what they did defensively. They never they gave up three points. They gave up an opening drive field goal, Seattle, against Arizona. I just caution getting too fired up because they were terrible uh, the whole season before I that. It. I get it. Terrible. Okay. That, I, the, the players don't seem terrible, though. That's what I don't get. They seem like they have okay talent, and they should have good coaching. I, I, I think if you're Geno Smith, though, if that was sort of the floor game for Geno Smith, that is not Geno's floor game. Floor game. I, I'm, yeah. You know, it might be in this offense, though, because he's given us a lot of evidence that he's going to continue to be successful throwing the ball deep. I love that he's gotten more aggressive in the last couple of weeks. The Chargers allow the fifth most deep passing yards in the league. J.C. Jackson, he was on your list of um, offseason signings that have gone completely and totally south. Right, I mean, and this is a tough matchup. He's either going to be on DK or Tyler Lockett. I don't assuming like that. he's not benched, right? which he was at the end of last game. His, comment, their defense improved his when they comments coming out of that game where he was benched, I, talk to me about a, about a player who neck up is in a tough place right now. And I, I think this is a good spot for Geno Smith. And I, you know, the defense, I don't know if what we saw last week against the Cardinals. I'm with Dan. I would tend to think that's more of an aberration than the way forward for Seattle's defense just based on the other five games they played this season? It's fair. We'll see. I mean, but even if they just hold teams in the 20s, then this Seahawks offense, I think, will be better and they can. this is a route to possibly winning games. Brandon Staley, I think, is... He's just starting to like lose a little support, I feel like, from uh, the media, which has generally been a fan of his. I have been. Mark has been, at least on our show. Uh, and part of the reason, not just the game management, which is weird sometimes, 
But the defense has been disappointing. And yes, they are missing key players, and, and maybe that's part of it, but they're They've been disappointing. They're a mediocre defense again, Dan, and that's not like this was supposed to be kind of a super team. They've lost a lot of great players, and maybe we should give them more of a pass. But isn't it weird though? The, yeah. Isn't it weird how we're all down on the Chargers because there's also a vision of what we and not just us, but a lot of people in the football cognoscente expect them to be, which is this fun, high-flying offense, and they're not. And yet they've won three games in a row. They're four and two. Uh, but I don't think anybody is buying in on the Bolts right now. Uh, but that said, they're at home. They're against a Seattle team that's been surprising. Obviously, Geno in the offense has really played well pretty much all season. The defense is coming off their best game. But Los Angeles is going to be favored here. They should win the game. And then they're five, they've won five of seven to start the season. And yet, I don't know. I think just the way the feeling, the vibe around this team. I thought you were about to lock it no, up. No, no. I, I really think as much as like I, I, touch I was just downplaying Seattle's defensive performance. I think, like I said, the Chargers offense has not been the same since uh, – Justin Herbert's rib injury, statistically, I don't even know if that's necessarily what it's about. I think there are more things in play here with Los Angeles. So this is, seems like a spot, Greg, where you could be excited on Sunday night talking about your your Seahawks again. Uh, maybe not only, go not to the only game. will I be t- right, I've got to enjoy this game. I think Gino's more uh, ready to test uh, the secondary downfield than Herbert, who's just, it's just thinking Doug right now. And that's why I am at least going to drop some rain on SoFi Stadium. The <laughs> roof is going to be open. It's coming in sideways on Sunday afternoon. And you said it's going to be a home game for the Chargers? I don't think so. The 12s are showing up, and it's going to be a home game Dan, for the I'm Seahawks. I'm sitting about two feet from Greg in a different seat than normal, and he is just shouting in his Face well, is growing you, redder and redder as a tomato. You, you can be the Seahawks as six and a half point dogs. We already took this route in week one this year, and we're undefeated. It's been raining. Uh, you know, Mark, or you Sorry. don't know, but I'd love you to try it one day. The power chair, which is the chair that faces the producer and the production team, which sure. is typically my chair. It's very dangerous to put Greg in that chair. And I understand. I think we know that. And yeah. I think that there's a situation at play here where we just need to be careful and why I need to race back to Los Angeles. Uh, he is a magnet to can. power. We know that. That he, whenever he comes close this to is, power, he just, is, it's like a, a ridiculous, a ridiculous theory. All right. It is completely on point. all my friends are jerks. Uh, Mark Sessler, <laughs> the third overall pick, goes to you. All right. I'm going to take my late game, which is the Houston Texans at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I know that does not feel. Wait, what's uh, your real pick? What? What's your real pick? Well, I have a pick after this, too. But literally, that's the only uh, game there that's even left for you. Before you go down your little avenue of commenting on my game before I even comment on it, I will tell you why I'm taking this. The Raiders are a wounded animal right now. Here's what I love about what they've done the last couple of weeks. They went from a team trying to figure out what to do with Derek Carr in the passing game to a ground and pound. They had 212 yards against the Broncos, a good defense, 155 against the Chiefs. I think they're going to come out and continue this approach under Josh McDaniels, who wants to win the games on the ground and puts Derek Carr in a better spot. Houston is a sitting duck in this thing. They can't do anything on offense outside of Damian Pierce. This is where the Raiders turn their season around in my book. They're going to win some games here. The schedule really softens up for Las Vegas. I think they are a a team that will be in the mix in the playoffs, but you got to start winning games now. And I think coming off a bye, knowing the urgency, 
Uh, this is another game. I think we could see. I don't want it to be, but you know what? There's been so much parity and so many close games. This could be a week where I think we see some one-sided games. I think this is another one. I think this is a game where, uh, and I don't know where, where the Desert Makers come down on this, Greg. You could let it's me know. It's at seven. It's yeah. at seven. This, Unfortunately, we can't lock this. This one, to me, has, <laughs> this one has, you know, 30 to... 14 written all over it. I think the Raiders are the better team. I don't think the Raiders by any stretch have been bad this year. They've been bad at closing Cut. out games. That's been their issue. And I don't think Houston's going to be able to keep up with them in this environment. They've lost to the Chargers by five, the Cardinals by six, the Titans by two, and the Chiefs game. That was a heartbreaker by one. I mean, they, they're the team that's going to come out and explode because they've lost too many tight, close games that have put them in a wayward place in the West. I don't think the West is out of control to get a wild card spot if they come roaring I back. I get it, but I, I feel weird that we all agree so much that I'm worried. Uh, but I really do uh, find what they did on their offensive line, which has looked so bad for so long, really encouraging. It, it really looks like a Josh McDaniels type of offense. And Davis Mills just can't shoot straight. He's not an accurate quarterback. There just hasn't been a lot of juice there. When it gets past 10 yards, he doesn't get it. The, the only thing that would give me a little pause is Damian Pierce. Is he a top five running back in the NFL right now? I mean, I, I might. I mean, well, a lot of the numbers suggest he is, he, especially the his, yards after contact. The way he runs, if you give him a little space, runs through people, but also the cuts he makes against this Raiders defense, which hasn't been great. Like, you could see him having a big game and at least keeping it I mean, close. if the Raiders he's, drop he's this game. He's been outrageous, Danny. If he the Raiders, might be your rookie of the year. If the Raiders drop this game, you have got major issues in the desert with Josh McDaniels. You cannot sure. lose this thing. They're not losing this thing. I, I, right. I, think, I think their running back has been excellent. He... You know, he had that long touchdown run that pads your stats a little bit, but he's had multiple weeks now where he's proven to be the guy that should be the workhorse of their offense. But if you shut him down, yeah, like we had a Nick Wessling, who we'll be hearing from, I believe, uh, coming up in a bit. Um, he had a buddy connected to Houston, like asking, hey, what's the deal with Davis Mills? He is kind of what he is. He's had five games with a sub 100 passer rating. And um, if he does not put together a stretch of really good football, it feels like mortal lock territory that Houston uses a first round pick on a quarterback. It might not matter, quite honestly. I think they've already made that decision, yeah. I would imagine. All right. Uh, you now, Mark Sessler. Snakes to you, buddy. I'm going to pick the team that is most intriguing to me in the league right now. And if I were to pick a new favorite team, um, going back to my childhood roots, this might be my choice. The New York Giants going down to Jacksonville and I know everyone's still. I wanted at, this game. You stole it from me. Well, this there aren't there pick. aren't a lot of great premier matchups this week, but this one to me, it's like, so I'm going to pick one team I care about at least. The Jaguars try to win me over. We'll see. But this to me is just another continuation in the Giants' journey. They're so well coached. I want to see Wink Martindale go after Trevor Lawrence. That's what he did against Lamar Jackson last week. They went nuts applying pressure to Lamar Jackson. And, you know, statistically, their defense does not really measure up in a lot of ways. But then you're getting guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, our friend. He, he, I don't know if he knows Best he's our friend. friend at this point. Good friend. I think he's like my friend still because I wasn't well, here for no, that um, Adam bomb that you guys no, are. You're the only one. Happy. You're the only yeah, one we but, know for a fact, Greg, is not friends yeah. because you asked him in a very awkward way. Well, that was a, a separate, yeah. uh, fun yeah. little thing. But I think thing we probably we probably that. wiped out your situation um, as much as anyone else's, Greg. I don't think you'd be winning Why, any battles. Here's on that one thing I know is that he can't tell us apart, so uh, it doesn't really matter <laughs> well, that, that I wasn't there. That may there. be true. <laughs> that may, but two weeks in a row because if you go back to the end of that Packers game in London, one of those fateful. 
tipped b- passes of Aaron Rodgers went off of Thibodeau last week. He had a huge like a huge play against Lamar Jackson, a big turnover that changed that game. So not unlike the Jets, they have a couple of young players on both sides of the ball that are showing up. It's just they're such a one sided offense because their their passing numbers and their wide receiver group is a total mess. So they're getting creative, at least with Dayball. It's like direct snaps to Saquon, who then hands it off to Daniel Jones, who prepares. It's like they're doing the Dayball's going into his bag of tricks whenever he needs to. <laughs> that was that. Wait a second. How speaking of the desert, how are the Jags favored by a field goal in this game? What? What I felt we, this was a lockable one for the Giants, we, maybe. Am I, unless I'm looking at bad data here, how is it possible it. that Jacksonville is favored in this game? So these teams each get kind of like a baseline Vegas number. Like like the Jaguars are just like against an average team are like worth a point. And the, and the Giants are worth negative two points or whatever based on their season. And that's based on, you know, their performance, you know, Points scored, points allowed, which the Jaguars still look good. And a lot of the underlying analytics of like how effective the offense has been moving the ball, turnover margin, how effective the defense has been. And in all those numbers, the Giants are you know inferior to the Jaguars. They profile as a mid-level team. The Jaguars profile is slightly better, and they're at home. Ugh. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like they're begging everyone to take the Giants and they're trusting their numbers and seeing because everyone will take the Giants. I don't want to because I know this makes you seem someone who should never be taken serious on any level uh, where we are with sports. But like that's why the game's not played on spreadsheets like Vegas should be paying attention to the way the Giants close these games and how But it's also why Vegas, you know, wins. All right. Well, for tell the me. most part, they so have a formula that serves think- them over time. No, I think the Giants are like a better team, but I understand the the headwinds that they're sort of putting that number at in in such a way that they believe these teams are equal, and they kind of probably in this one know everyone's going to take the Giants and they'll take their chances. Yeah, I I, I just I sort of disagree, but I also picked know, the Jaguars to win this game online, so I'm I'm. Oh, well, you're boxed in a little bit. I think Mark. <laughs> yeah. I think the from my angle on it is. The way the league is right now, where it's a big three and let's see on everything else, it matters the way the Giants have played these games and the way they've been coached and the way their their game plan has been rolled out that with all these teams kind of at a similar place. Like, I'm not saying that Jacksonville is inferior, grossly inferior talent-wise. You could definitely make the case they have better talent. But in Jacksonville, you've had a very inconsistent team that's been up and down, a quarterback play very up and down, and a giant team that has showed you week after week so far exactly who they are. I don't think that's going to stop. I think this is, especially in our league and where things are, I think you're going to see the Giants playing close games all year and winning close games uh, all year. I, I, I see this hmm. as an 11-6 and six team. I, I'm wow. with you. I mean, I think in general, you look at the league on whole – the average margin of victory is 8.9 points per game, which is the lowest ever in the NFL. And so I really don't have a big problem with this spread per se. Uh, I think they're not factoring in the way that we feel about the Giants. The Giants make us feel a certain way because not only the Jets. Feel a way. Well, they do. They flipped entirely who they are. And every week you can point to. I'm a to, little too close to you right now. You can point to Wink Martindale. You can point to Brian Dable that they really have been coached so well and the team is totally bought in. I don't think that's totally untrue of Jacksonville, but they're not where the Giants are. No, but I saw some good things last week. You know, Trevor Lawrence's highs aren't that high. 
which is unfortunate. For the most part, his lows other than in the rain aren't that low, I don't think either. I, I think these two quarterbacks are similar in that way. That's where you can really say that Brian Dable's done a fantastic job is that he's coached Daniel Jones to not have lows despite a tough situation. Sure. They've been very reliable, but I think Lawrence has been reliable. The difference is I trust Dable to attack the opposing defense's weaknesses more. And the Eagles put Devin Lloyd, who everyone wants to talk about as a defensive rookie of the year candidate, in a blender in that game. And I noticed last week the Colts did too. They're just targeting his over-aggressiveness and killing him uh, with running backs and tight ends and coverage. And Saquon Barkley can definitely kill you uh, as a receiver. Darius Williams was another guy they handed a lot of money to who's really struggling. So the Jaguars defense has some weaknesses and I think Dable is good at attacking those weaknesses. Yeah. If the Jaguars bring their quote-unquote A game uh, at home, uh, they should win. I just – I feel like it's more likely that you get another consistent, solid effort by New York. Um, by the way, we're talking New York or northern New Jersey. We're talking about Duval. But why don't we head over to the Cincinnati Zoo? Hey, here's <laughs> – Oh, no. No surprise after last week. He's in bed now. I'm a little under the weather. It's okay, though, because uh, these <laughs> games aren't worth me getting out of bed for. There are two six-and-a-half-point favorites, the Bengals and the Ravens. Can't wait to see which ones Dan and Greg lock up. It's okay. I'm going to add a little spice this week. Everyone keeps talking about the Giants. Worst 3-1 and one team in the league. Worst 4-1 and one team in the league. Worst 5-1 team in the league. <laughs> These are the New York football giants. And they're taking on the Jaguars. That's for you, Dan. <laughs> the reason the giant people talk about the football giants like they're not that good is because they aren't. And the Jags are going to expose them for the imposters they are. Lock it up. Look at that, 59 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold lock. I, I don't know if you got full buy-in from the other brothers on that one. I always like his lock explanations because I never know who he's taking until the very end. It never like supports the case right. uh, he's got to make. But he did take your note, Dan. I think you asked for him to be under a minute, and he did it. Yeah, fifty-nine. And, you know, if there's any pushback against old Zeuser on that, you know, it's not that I'm trying to to rush the man, but I think a more concise message could lead to even better entertainment value. And I just thought, you know, that that shot in, in particular, and please watch us on NFL Network and NFL Plus, YouTube, wherever you can get this show, um, just for the, the value of that overhead shot of Nick Wessling, please tune in. I mean, I'm, I'm just concerned because there's been a lot of infighting between that group. And you look right here, he's clearly um, heavily medicated. Yeah. And he's just locked up the Jaguars. Suddenly, so, I, we've you know, got Scorsese directing Nick's hits. It's just very uh, artistic with this view. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the, the brothers are even connected at this point. I think I don't think so. Nick has just drifted off as a satellite and uh, I love yeah, it. Yeah, reach out to us. You know, if other Wesleyan <laughs> brothers that are I all paid attention, I don't know if they're, Phil listens. Phil, um, let us know if, if you're happy with this. All right, let's take a break and we will move on. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back. Now, I'm not looking. This isn't me prodding here, Sestog. You're a top 10 NFL insider. Um, But the third overall pick might have been the worst He's a top 10 football insider. In the history of this draft. And Greg kind of pointed it out. Um, and now I just have to, it just needs to go down for posterity. People need to know. Um, there was two remaining four o'clock games, late games. You know, I want to be all over Jets Denver, which means Greg had already picked a late game. I had already picked one previously. No one was going to take Houston, Las Vegas, period. You could have taken it with your final pick of the draft um, and picked a, another game. And I just, I think it needs to be pointed out that that would be something that the draft Knicks would absolutely go off on you for. Terrible value. The Cole Strange of this draft. I don't operate. Cole Strange is having a great rookie season, by the way. So (laughs) if the Rams want to laugh at me for my draft pick here, that's perfectly fine. That was was Alex Leatherwood. That's what that was. I would just say, like, the idea that I'm going to sit around tonight after the show and fret and be concerned because of you two thinking that my draft pick wasn't up to snuff. I will not be. No, fretting. we're not I worried not about tonight. We're trying to make you feel uncomfortable and sad. Now I feel regretful. very comfortable Mournful. and very confident that my pick is what I wanted. Although I got to admit, Dan, I got the next pick here and I'm quite annoyed because Jags giants was going to be my first overall. That pick was fine. My, my that was a great pick. I, I was annoyed because so that's just perception. I got the same. I got what I wanted. Had I just flipped them. Yeah, I know you're saying I, I could have, I could have also taken the Jets game, which I really wanted, and I didn't because of you, Dan. So true. maybe it's, pipe it's, down just for a minute. Ooh, no, yeah, I mean you're a good guy, but you could you wouldn't do that. You're too good a guy to do that. Although, I couldn't yeah, trade yeah. trade you for something I, else. I uh, I mean it's not a great gift to watch uh, the Broncos at this point. I'm taking Lions Cowboys uh, with the next pick. All right, in this draft, and. Um, I, want I mean, to see... there aren't a lot of gems here in this draft. Let's no, not it's... act like this is like the game of the century. I get it. It's the team of That's ATL. That's a team of ATL. Coming off a bye at a moment where it's put up or shut up time. It's kind of like you got to show up and you're in a brutally difficult spot here going against the Cowboys, who I think are 
a top five team in a very watered down NFL. They'd be in my top five because of their defense. And because the offense has shown enough to believe that with Dak Prescott back, that they'll be an average, maybe an above average offense. And with that defense in this NFL, I think that's all they'll need. Dak Prescott is expected to start in this game. The Cowboys, you know, sending out a thumbs up creatively on uh, Twitter and he's practicing fully. So it looks like it's all systems go and he's going up against the Lions defense that's still banged up. They were missing nine starters in practice on Wednesday coming off their bye. It's like you hope that the bye like magically heals people, but it's only one week. They will get Amon Ross St. Brown back. It looks like he's practicing and DeAndre Swift back. So those are the two most important guys on their offense uh, along with Jared Goff. And so that gives them a chance. I I just don't know what's going to happen in this game. I tend to think that it's going to be a Cowboys game and and maybe they'll even cover uh, the seven point spread here. Uh, But I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping the Lions do it. You've had doubts about this Lions team, Dan coming off a bye now. You think they'll, like, respond? Like, this is the time no. where you, you surprise us. I mean, the Come doubts on. the doubts no. have always been about the defense, obviously, and um, and that has really played out. And the concern was, what if the offense comes down to earth? And we saw what happened in New England. They got this bye week to reset. I'm going to speak positively about Detroit. They got the bye week to reset some things, get some guys if not 100% healthy, healthier, closer, uh, having Swift back and St. Brown getting, uh, you know, some break, that's that's important. And I think, you know, I think this is a very important week for Dan Campbell, like a proof of concept type game for him uh, and his grit warriors uh, because Dallas, as good as their defense is, um, I imagine Dak's going to have rust. I don't think this is an offense that's going to, you slide in Dak Prescott and they're off to the races. Remember what they looked like in week one before he got hurt against Tampa. There was a lot of uh, moving pieces and they hadn't figured things out. Like we talked about last week, Michael Gallup's back, but he doesn't look like Michael Gallup. Um, so there are, there are reasons to believe Dallas will not score a lot of points. The question is Jared Goff, who's 0-8-1 in his last nine road games, going to face this defense, Micah Parsons, this could be one of those games where everybody's talking about him on Monday. Um, so I'm worried about the Lions, but I don't think Dallas is going to score a ton of points, which should keep them in the game. We shall see. Hmm. I mean, I don't think that if the Lions lose, it's it really changes much that we think about be them. Be competitive, at least. They, they need to be that. Can't get blown um, out I love the, I love. No, they can't get blown out. I love the fact that Swift is back. I mean, I think if you want to give Jared Goff a chance in this. Uh, it can't be one of these games where he has got someone in his face left and right because he starts to unravel. And I think that what the Patriots did to them and took away their run game, uh, other teams are going to try to do. And I think the Cowboys, we talked about the Niners as the best defense in the league. It may be Dallas. And Dallas is, you know, you can run on Dallas here and there, but de- but Detroit's going to have to make plays through the air and they're going to have to keep Jared Goff safe. And Jared Goff under pressure to me is a completely different quarterback. I just think the Cowboys have a lot of dimensions to them this year. I think the offensive line has gotten better. I think the running game's a little better than I expected. And you mentioned the, the defense, the way Dan Quinn has continuity and he changes things from week to week. Now they really are built because they have uh, veterans to adopt a creative game plan and, and do what Belichick did and kind of send that pressure and have the big bear front where you got five defensive linemen up front to stuff that running game. And then you send surprising people at Goff. Like they can kind of do it all. They can go tempo too offensively. I just think they have a lot in their back pocket. I think they're just a team that can win all sorts of different games. They have a great returner, Kevante Turpin. 
Dan, maybe you're all pro uh, return guy so far this year. Dante Hall on Sky Sports, I saw this, uh, was asked who reminds him of uh, himself in today's NFL. And he said, Cavante Turpin of the Cowboys. That's a returner. Hey, you know what, Greg? Thank you for that. Yeah. In fact, uh, since you pointed him out to me uh, in that way, uh, and I heard that sound, but he's one of my guys. Sorry, Mark, you got to take him okay. off your list. There's possibilities. Cavante oh, Turpin. I have, I have crafted a, a long list yeah. of guys that I'm re- ready to unveil at some point on our podcast. I mean, it Maybe feels unfair since I talked about him. Yeah, know, no, but, but you, the way you threw it to him. me, you left it open okay. and I grabbed him. Uh, Mark, I okay. didn't notice that. It's I, like, hey, Dan, listen to my football thought. Like, oh, there's another well, person on the show like, with you here, Greg. Well, I get it, but he's over there and I figured this game discussion's over. No, so I, I just noted it. It's, I noted it's tricky, you know. Believe me, I will be thinking about that tonight. Uh, Mark, I, I, would, so. I would like to see at some point we would love for you to unveil your private list of guys that you love. You tell me when it's it's a long list and okay. it's got a lot of possibilities and it's not none of them been snatched up by you two. Typically, you have uh, you keep your private list of men hidden from others, but we do want to see them at some point. I don't like how you phrase that. Um, let's we move. love our quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> let's move uh, back to the old Zeuser. Yes, I will take Jets at Denver Broncos. Mile High Stadium. Um, here's the latest on Russell Wilson. Shoulder, that's an ongoing thing. I guess hamstring, an ongoing thing. What is he listed at? Oh, they don't have the injury designations out yet. But it sounds like he'll play. He's practicing trending. again. He said he mentioned he had Wolverine blood. That's why he's healing so fast. Well, you know, we Mark, you and I were talking to a, a birdie in the newsroom uh, that pointed out, you know, he went out of his way to let the media know about these injuries. Um, so it's not like this is something that's coming out from the team, uh, these different mm. maladies that, that Russ is dealing with. And you could take that info and think nothing of it or just think, oh, is this a quarterback making some excuses for being statistically, in many ways, the worst QB in football this year? There's an, there's an immense amount of pressure on the Broncos to start putting some stuff together here. Um, it is an offense that is not getting better. It is you you watch that 10 for 10 start uh, and the touchdown pass to Dulcich and you think maybe something's cooking and then things just got worse and worse and worse. And this is here's the bad news. And for those fans at Mile High, except for the Jets fans, because they traveled really well to Green Bay. And I wonder if we're going to see a lot of green in the stands on Sunday. Uh, The Jets defense is not going to be friendly to Russell Wilson, who can't pick up blitzes, who doesn't spot receivers that are open, that flash open quickly. Quinnen Williams is absolutely playing. I don't know if we've heard this yet. We're hearing Pro Bowl All-Pro. He keeps this up. He's going to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Quinnen Williams is an absolute game wrecker uh, right now. And Sauce Gardner, what he's doing, what we're getting all across on all three levels of the Jets defense their ability to get pet pressure without blitzing, that is going to be a huge issue for Russell Wilson in this game. So I don't know if I've, I mean, I'm sure I've done it, boys, but it's been a long time. Oh, is he going to do it? I believe oh, I the like Jets this. are going to give the Russell Wilson Broncos offense absolute fits, and that's going to be enough for me to lock up the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Keith Hans is somewhere in the house right now. I know he hears it. <laughs> um, the Jets are going to win this game. I was re-watching the game before we started taping today, and I and I was counting Zach Wilson mistakes um, in the first half, and it was going one, two, three, whether it's sliding early or a badly uh, placed pass or whatever it was. He's the one concern with New York because 
if he puts it together and really does take that step, the Jets can hang with almost any, anybody in the AFC. Um, but we need to see that step. But I think it's the defense that's going to carry them to yet another win. I mean, it's impressive to see Quinn and Williams, what really, how he impacted the game of Aaron Rodgers a week ago and their, their faulty offensive line, the issues they were having, that he took, he took passes away from Rodgers that would have been, that would have changed that thing. And so I'm with you. He's having a fantastic season. Uh, I'm watching the Broncos and I'm, Greg, you mentioned this after the Monday night game. I cannot really remember a team like this with a quarterback situation like this where it's unfolding in such a public fashion and it's almost uncomfortable to watch, especially when it's been games in Denver Stadium where there is a fair debate because it's like Russell Wilson they were is booing playing. They him in his first game. Right, and, and they Russell won the Wilson game. is playing the worst football of his career. But you're also – it's – possible to look at what's going on with Nathaniel Hackett and the entire organization of the offense and say, which one is it? I think it's so clearly a terrible mixture of both. And the Jets absolutely keep finding these teams at the right time. They put the Packers into total chaos where Aaron (laughs) Rodgers has to talk about simplifying the offense. I mean, the Broncos offense, we're hearing people talk about their protections, other aspects of it being run at a sub-pro NFL level. And, and it doesn't help that Russell Wilson seems to have completely lost his ability to see, to see the field. And it's starting to feel like infighting. And teammates, others, are so disappointed with what's going on that the Jets right here, who are riding as high of a, a, a magic Wait, carpet ride as oh, anyone in the league. Lock. I already locked him up. But I think it's a great spot for the Jets. Can I push back on one thing, Greg, uh, Mark, that the – you're saying the Jets have found teams at the right time. I think this is the landscape of the league. And that's why part yeah, of the reason why fair. I have so much optimism about this Jets season. I know they're not the Bills. I know they're not the Chiefs. But you get you catch any team, and the team's probably dealing with some type of issues. Hell, the Jets were when Zach Wilson nearly blew out his ACL and they were playing Joe Flacco for a month. Like the Jets are just attacking their schedule and picking up. I mean, w's. the Jets still are. The Jets still are. And that issue is is Zach Wilson. Now I, I got to see multiple bad weeks until you get overly concerned. But there was a stat like his expected points added as a quarterback was one of the lowest in any single victory by a team in the last you know five, six years. He had a rough game. And even though he's had good moments, he's very unpredictable. Like when he drops back, you're not sure what's going to happen. And this is an incredible test. We keep throwing around who's the best defense in the league. Cowboys, 49ers. The Broncos are absolutely in that mix. They are doing everything well. They're the number one pass defense in the league, DVOA. They just added their all-pro Justin Simmons back into the mix. There's a couple spots there where they're thin, but they, like a lot of these teams, are very versatile because they play three safeties. Caden Stearns played outstanding early in the season, and they have Kareem Jackson. And their pass rush is awesome. Baron Browning's been a revelation. Bradley Chubb's having the best season of his career. And then Draymond DJ Jones. This is a really good defense, and that's one of the things that's crazy about them being Two and four. What's the most wasted <laughs> defense we've seen? They're 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 number one right now in DVOA and defense. I'm not saying they're like so dominant that the Jets won't be able to run on them and make some plays. Like no defense is that dominant, but it's a really good defense, and you would expect them to create some uh, chaos for Zach Wilson, and that's the route. And that's why, as bad as it's been for the Broncos, all these games they lose by three points. It's not like they're getting blown out. You're going to be most likely, I think, Dan, sweating out this lock, even though I'm with, you, I'm with you and I think the Jets will win. I think it's just time for me to go all the way in uh, and, yeah. and get behind them. I, I just like the spot. And part of the reason was watching Sunday or uh, Monday night, 
you know, those third downs, whether it was third and medium, third and long, the complete inability for the scheme. Forget about just Wilson, who struggles. That's coaching. That's coaching. The scheme. The, well, that they don't have that. Guys coming in unblocked. Every third down dropback was absolutely doomed. And I just think it sets up well for a New York defense playing really well. Uh, I will now snake it. And I like to hurt. I like to hurt people. I like to hurt my friends. And that's what I'm about to do. Weird. Not in life, but in this game. I like to really stick it in the ribs and then twist. Because I know both of you were hoping Atlanta at Cincinnati uh, would fall to you. um, And yet, it will not. (laughs) Come on, be honest. Okay. Be honest. I'm a, I'm a little peeved at you taking that game, but I'm over it. I'm getting over it currently. Uh, I can't say I'm like that disappointed. Listen, the <laughs> Bengals offense in a very unsettled league, I really enjoyed watching Joe Burrow, and I've enjoyed him the last couple of weeks as they've been cleaning up their offensive line play and uh, T. Higgins getting healthier and back on the field. And all of a sudden, oh, right, this is uh, Cincinnati. This is that offense. And I just get the feel, the feeling and the vibe that th- that Burrow and Jamar and T and Mixon, who looked better last week, are about to go off and and win a bunch of games and score a lot of points. I really like them in the spot at home against Atlanta. And that's not taking anything away from the Falcons. I know you guys are higher on general um, on the Arthur Smith era than me. I'm still more like wait and see. They're definitely better than they were a year ago. Um they beat San Francisco, which is a really nice win, obviously. But like I said earlier, the Niners were decimated by injuries. So I don't know if we're seeing 28 more points from the Falcons. And I think we get that from Cincinnati. This one feels to me like a 31-17 Cincinnati victory. I mean, except that Atlanta scored week after week. And they found a way back into games. And if I, if I, you look at the way that they're playing... You get enough from Marcus Mariota, and if you get him on the ground, they're running for like 200-plus yards a game and dominating defensive lines um, with not a great offensive line, actually. That's why I think they're so well-coached under Arthur Smith. And if you look at the Bengals, they have been gashed on the ground two weeks in a row. So I see an opportunity for Atlanta mm. to and you know, do what they want to do on offense and attack the way they want to attack. But, Dan, you're right. I mean, this if you look at – you take away that week one result for Joe Burrow – I mean, he's really been mistake-free in terms of giveaways. He's not; He's got like two picks or something like that. And you saw the big plays are starting to creep up. And if you get Burrow and Jamar Chase the way you did last week, you know, they talk about the fact that Jamar Chase, for teams that haven't faced him yet, that on the field when you deal with him, he's a completely different surprising entity than he is on tape. And I think that's the, that element of surprise for the Bengals is still there. Hmm. Uh, they're growing into who they were last year to some degree. I don't know if they're that spicy, but it is a huge test for a Falcons team that I find to be as fun to watch as any in the league right now. Yeah, I I struggle with the, the Bengals. I, I want to say they turned some corner, and I was expecting that. And then when I watched that game, I just don't – I don't feel like they've turned any corner. I don't think their offensive line's playing well at all. Like, their only plays are Joe Burrow get the ball out of his hand in, like, one second, so there is no offensive line. Or they're great players, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase – Burrow make just great individual plays. They either break tackles or they make an insane catch or they make an insane run. And that's great. They have great players. Wasn't he having to do that behind the line last year? Though, I guess too? so. But it was. It felt a little more consistent. They didn't have a running game. I don't think they're well coached. And then the Bengals defense, which had started off the season so well, I think you can push them around a little bit. And this is the wrong team to play 
uh, when you can get pushed around. To me, I see these teams as another two teams in the middle. I don't see them, like, because people do power rankings, Dan, you have to pick a team that's like, has potential and is higher. And to me, these are two very much in the middle teams. The Bengals have shown nothing other than what they did a year ago to believe that they're any right, different me, than any of these Let me throw teams. some stats out there because your, your field okay. test says Cincinnati is not getting much better. They still... Burrow has a 110 passer rating since week three, third in the NFL. He has five interceptions this year, only one since week one. Uh, He's been better. Right? They, they have eight touchdowns, zero interceptions against man coverage. The, they've won three of four after starting 0-2. Joe Burrow, on a, you might not see it with the offensive line, Greg, but Joe Burrow has went out of his way after these games to say that the offensive line is improving and it's helping his game. And I just think there's – I'm not saying they're a perfect team. And what you're saying about the power rankings is true. Do I think Cincinnati's a top-five team – almost any other year. No, they're kind of like a 10 to 13 type team, but the league is what the league is right now. And I, I saw certain things being unlocked with their offense, especially uh, yesterday. The defense, yes, they, they're vulnerable there potentially. Uh, but I've just seen enough personally to say I can see the Bengals really getting hot here in the middle of the season. I'm with you because I think that, you know, had things continued to pace after week one or week two, you're in panic mode because it looked like Joe Burrow wouldn't last That's the fair. season. It's right fair. now, I mean, it's like this is a process. And, and we're talking about the entire league looking mezzanine level outside of two or three teams. The Bengals at least are trending back to where they were a year ago. My difference is Joe Mixon, fourth most carries in the league. 17th in yardage because he's running at 3.3 yards per carry. I know he's had a couple better games here, but they were dominant mm. down the stretch last year because especially in their own division, Mixon in the ground game would punish teams and tire out defenses. They're not able to do that right now. I, I just think in this uh, muddled NFL, like, sometimes we, we assign a lot to wins and losses. That is the point. But have they really played? Like they lost a couple heartbreakers early and we assigned a lot that things are falling apart and now they're winning a couple heartbreakers for the other teams late and we're assigning a lot to that and to me they just they seem in the middle and I think coaching is more important than ever uh, I've, I always would say there's only five or six coaching staffs that matter on one side good and bad but I don't know with so little separating these teams this year I think coaching has mattered more I found it interesting the Falcons like aren't blitzing much anymore that's what you think of them as but they've really adapted and they're different and I look at this six and a half point spread and like a couple of six and a half point spreads this week, I'm like, that seems crazy to me. These teams seem absolutely even. And that's why it's uh, it's going to be raining in Cincinnati, too. The Rainmaker doesn't come out twice in a week very often, but he is this week. We're taking the Falcons six and a half. I love it. This thing's coming down to the end. Dan, this is a chore sitting here today. Uh, hey, listen, I'm the power you. chair. Some people can handle the power and some people, <laughs> no, this person it consumes cannot. them. You know, some listeners were like, you haven't done a Rainmaker in three weeks. I was like, okay, I got to make up some. And I do feel strong about these two. I, I love getting that many points. With All right, Greg, good job. Team. We'll be tracking that very closely. And if, God forbid, your two Rainmakers don't hit, I'm sure that uh, Mark and I won't be bringing it up on the show. Right. I, gave, I just gave Dan one more thing to root heavily for <laughs> on Sunday. So you're welcome. Um, again, I like to hurt my friends, but only in scenarios like like this. Another example, Greg's Rainmaker. Like that would be fun to celebrate mm. sunshine in a way. I mean, the record over the last two years is getting to be ridiculous. I think it's like 12 and four or something, something outrageous. We're on a hot. Well, heater. you've had a lot of practice over the years, Greg, in this realm, and you, you're Stop. really doing well. And we thank you, <laughs> Greg, you're up. 
Oh, I am. I am. I'm going to take the Browns and the Ravens. Uh, I feel weird Ooh, with Mark sitting next to me, ouchers. taking the Browns back to back weeks. But we're deep in the draft, and I'm just not. Uh, I wouldn't have I done that taken to you, it Mark. Before. Yeah, you could have. I could have. I could have grabbed it. You could have taken it with that third overall pick, Mark. That was just open. That slot. I could have taken Colts that's Titans, fair. and that's grave. I don't know. There's so many loyalties here. Uh, I'm loyal to football, and I am uh, oh interested in this game. I mean, isn't this Did you this just a say that with a straight face? I'm loyal to football? I'm just saying I'm loyal to, like, oh, making brother. the best Sunday. I'm lo- I think this is a great game at the this point in each of these two teams' season. I think it's a very compelling game. I find both these teams compelling and confusing. The Ravens are such a strange 3-3 three and three team. The Browns are a strange 2-4 and four team. They, they both feel like they should be better than they are, but one of these two teams is going to be devastated after this loss and in a really uh, difficult spot that they didn't expect. I want to think that the Ravens can punish the disorganized Browns' defense because this team's given up a lot of big plays. In theory, that's what Lamar's should do. Looks like they get Rashad Bateman back this week. But then Mark Andrews is out of practice Wednesday and Thursday. And it's like they, they're just too thin. It's crazy how they don't have anyone but Andrews and kind of Devin DuVernay when Bateman was out. Now Bateman's back. That's not enough. Like, no other receivers are getting involved. And, yes, I think they found something with Kenyon Drake last week running the ball. He looked good. J.K. Dobbins is out of practice. I I get the feeling they might sit him down for a minute. He just never looked right this season coming off his injury. And maybe they're just going to give him a couple weeks off with that injury and just see if he can get a little more juice. Kenyon Drake's something. But they're an inconsistent offense. And you mentioned it, Mark. Like, Lamar has five fourth-quarter interceptions. What? Turnovers? Four interceptions? Yeah. Uh, They said something like, I think he only had six in his entire career until this year. Like, something strange here. And he's definitely not playing at the level he was in the first three weeks. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, he's he's fallen off a cliff in a lot of ways, but the turnovers have been um, absolutely critical. And this is your game, though, if you're the Ravens, now that you have Bateman back. Because I'm with you. They always seem like they're – if they're missing one weapon – they don't look like other NFL teams in terms of the well, skill position players. They better get Andrews players. back because he's even more important. Well, I think he's the he's the core of their their passing game. But if you can't run against the Browns, if you can't get plays against Cleveland, it's uh, that would be more concerning for me than anything about the Ravens because the Browns' defense right now, I think, is a bottom three unit. It is Ooh. Miles Garrett playing out of his mind week after week and nobody else. And it's like they're not the sum of their parts because there's talent on this defense. But it's funny because, like, John Johnson, their safety this week, I thought he had some pretty revealing comments about the fact that, you know, this isn't a team that after practice people are sticking around, logging mm. more hours. Mm. It's like kind of a get-in-your-car-and-go-home situation. And I kind of wonder... 53 men, 53 cars. It kind of, I'm not, it's <laughs> not necessarily that they don't like each other. It's like, are they putting in the work? Is, is it all hands on deck after what we've seen from this defense? They should be making adjustments, changing what they're doing. And they've been discombobulated and out of sorts week after week. So if the Ravens can't do it here, then I'd be real concerned about the Ravens from that angle. Well... That's the thing. The Ravens are annoying. The Ravens are in a, a tugboat timeout right now uh, because it's just like, guys, what what are we doing here? Like that, 
They've they've blown now three games uh, with a ten point lead that's tied their franchise record in the second half, and th- that's through week six. And you just want to you what you're looking the way things are right now in this unsettled league to grab onto things teams that you could trust. And Baltimore, I I've lost two locks. Both of my locks this year are getting behind the Ravens in games that they have Ooh. in hand and blow. And it's just like, what is that about? And I think. There's two things. You could definitely point the finger at some coaching mistakes that are happening, uh, but it's right. And I'm glad, Greg, because I know you and Claybon and others are uh, always looking out for Lamar, but he has absolutely played a role in these collapses, especially against Buffalo, uh, obviously against the Giants, and he needs to be better. And you could say he doesn't have a lot of supporting parts, but you know the, the great ones, uh, they find a way. Uh, to get it done. Look at what we're seeing from Mahomes in Kansas City. And we see Lamar, maybe he's not Mahomes in in that all-time level, but if he's truly a superstar that's going to get paid the highest contract ever for a quarterback, well, he should be able to make it work. Maybe he shouldn't have traded Hollywood Brown. I don't know, but that's the past. You'd need Rashad Bateman to hit the ground running. Um, I expect this to be one-sided for the Ravens, but again, Mm. after three games, blowing games, letting teams back in games, it's like, I don't know what to expect. Look, to be clear, Lamar overall is the reason why this team has a good offense. And, of course, he deserves that contract because, like, Kyler Murray gets those contracts. Like, he's at, an, he's at another level than that. He's going to get it. He's just got to clean up his passing. It's just been a little inconsistent. I think the reason they lose this game is because, unlike other Ravens teams, their weaknesses are really weak. They have no edge rushers. I mean, they signed JPP off the street play him every snap, and he he, he, did, he didn't show up in the stat sheet. Like, their offensive line has been really injured, but I do think they're coming together. Ronnie Stanley's played well for them the last two weeks, and they've, they've improved the last couple weeks. So certain things have come together while certain things have fallen apart in terms of giving up big plays defensively and, like, being really thin at receivers. Their weaknesses are weak, and yet uh, I'm stepping into that trap too like you did, Dan. You've gotten a couple <laughs> Ravens wrong. I got it wrong last week, but then I jumped out of it at the last second, but this time I'm jumping right back in. I'm locking up the Ravens. Be careful. That's all I'm going to say. I I think you're in safe territory. I mean, you're going to have to count on the fact that the Browns, when they've been good on offense, like if Nick Chubb does Nick Chubb things, that they'll keep it close. But Wyatt Teller is out. I think that's a big loss for Cleveland's offensive line. I don't see Baltimore getting stopped by Cleveland in this and game. The, the, the vibes like are bad in Cleveland. It, it they just, are. Uh, not to get too and I don't, stupid. But I know God, Kevin Stefanski bad. does not listen to our show during the season. He's an every show listener in the offseason. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but just in case somebody can get this to him, um, I, I was saying give Nick Chubb the ball more. You gave it to him 12 times uh, last week. I uh, know the game script, blah, blah, blah. Give the ball to Nick Chubb 30 times and see what's going on in the fourth quarter. Ooh. Is he in a tugboat timeout? Who? No. The only one tugboat, tugboat timeout per uh, any given time in the league. Uh, <laughs> Imagine if Ravens Dan right put now. one of us in a tugboat timeout at some point. Like sounds, his child. Like, sounds like less work. We just wouldn't come, <laughs> wouldn't come to the show. Why do you think I'm in New York? All right, let's take a break and finish out the draft. All right. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. (laughs) 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, it's time for the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. And picking is Mark Sessler, first of two. We are uh, down to teams that, to me, are depressing. Um, and I'm going to oh. talk about two of them right well. Sell it, I- Sessler. Uh, the Bucks at the Panthers. Am I? They both kind of strike me as tough to watch right now, which um, annoys me about the Bucks. But that's just been the case. That's been who they've been all year long. I don't know why last week against the Steelers, you don't have Brady taking more shots down the field. Um, they were playing a secondary that was absolutely stripped of starters. No T.J. Watt, and yet it looked like the Bucks offense we see most other weeks. He's throwing the ball well, but at the same time, like it's just not happening. I feel like if you can lock down Mike Evans to some degree then this Bucks offense has essentially been reduced to field goals and not even making all those. It's like this – Brady is freaking out on the sideline. We're watching it right here on the clips. Like, he just seems so frustrated and pent up. And I, I, I think it's – you could just expect, oh, Tampa's going to figure this out and round into something looking like they were two years ago or a year ago. I don't know if it's there. The well, good, this week it should be. The thing is that you're playing the Panthers this week. So if you can't come out and drop – 35 points on this team, then you got to look at why. You can't blame Bruce well, Arians. He's not part of this Carolina's right now. Has Carolina's defense been the biggest issue for them? Like, Do I think that no, Tampa but they're, down, they're missing guys, But they're though. starting to miss guys. They yeah. might get J.C. Horn back, who's been great for them, but they lost potentially two of their other starting cornerbacks, uh, C.J. Henderson and Dante Jackson. I, I, would, not, I would say the reason yeah. that, you'd, that you'd think that Buck, the Bucks could put up a ton of points in this is the fact that you've got P.J. Walker starting a quarterback for an offense that's broken down, and you get a lot of three and outs, and you get a tired Carolina defense by the end. Let me, uh, let me counter that. The reason I don't expect is because they just don't do it. This is their points per game this season. 19, 20, 12. 31 in a game that was a blowout. The other team scored 41, 21, fair. and 18. They they've been they've been a 20 point a game offense this year for the most part, and it's does, this doesn't feel like a team to me like Cincinnati, Greg. You, I know you and I are not on the same page, but I feel like Cincinnati is a team that's finding itself and getting better, and looks like they are about to click and go off. 
I do not see the Tampa Bay offense as being close to that right now. Now, the NFL is unpredictable. It could absolutely happen. He could, they could score 35 points against a Panthers team where half the organization is on the phone looking for work for next season already. But there's just a lot of there's a lot of bad vibes, letting, different than Cleveland. But again, bad juju around the Tampa Bay team. No, they don't seem like they're having fun. And when you went through the point totals, I almost thought like maybe that Chiefs game, like that was like the one game. And I don't think it. Re- they were always chasing the score, uh, but I think they played well from the first quarter to the. end. It was like the one game they all felt alive again, especially Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, but you know, like, like oh, the we're, Chiefs- pl- we're playing the Chiefs. Like this game actually means something to me. Tom Brady's just. It's like he's counting the the days until the playoffs or something. Yeah, I just thought that we'll that game. We're different on that point too, Greg. Uh, that game in yeah. particular, but. Like the, I'm, I would imagine Kansas City was playing maybe a little bit of a different defense as once they got ahead. I just would wonder what that game was like if if their Tampa yeah. Bay's defense had showed up. Um, I, I, I want to make one quick thing about their defense and just about them in general. You're right. They're not the Bucks we expected. They used to be the best run defense in the league, like just best every year by far. They're mediocre. Uh, they're dead last in rushing right now. And rushing like they used to be a very efficient rushing team. They are different. Todd Bowles made a statement after the game that some people are still living off of the Super Bowl, which I thought was like a really cutting <laughs> statement. Like the people are still living off the Super Bowl. And I'm just like... Well, Todd Bowles, you wouldn't say that unless you're talking about specific players or players, like player. And I was thinking, like, well, who's Todd Bowles talking about? I don't think he's talking about Tom Brady, actually. No. Because I just he's a defensive no. guy. And I thought in my head, if I had to guess, it'd be Devin White. Devin White, who gets talked up as, like, one of the great young linebackers in the league, but is always at the center of big plays being allowed. And I think as one of those guys who doesn't necessarily do his assignment and searches the big plays and hasn't played as well uh, for the last year, especially this year, as people really on the outside believe. And then at his press conference on Wednesday, Todd Bowles, pointed out that Devin White was responsible for the roughing the passer uh, call last week and failing to cover Najee Harris. Like, they asked him who had the busted coverage on that play, and he's like, Devin White. So, I don't Mm. know. That was just my little uh, mystery. I think you've connected the dots very well there. I would also imagine that that whole statement isn't being made about one player alone because that's the vibe of this team. But Devin White probably knows that he's talking about him, and I just find that interesting. How about Lenny Fournette? How about yeah. how about Bruce Arians? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, that's the thing. There's an uh, there's a lot of candidates you could point to and just say this is this team is just their vibe is not a fun one at the moment. And by the way, Julio Jones, I believe, is still not practicing. So that's right. And that's by the way, PJ Walker also is starting this game, um, so he will try to complete more than one pass that passed the line of scrimmage, which was how many he had last year. And that was the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. How about we snake uh, Seth's dog? All right, I'm going to go Colts at Titans. Kind of surprised this is still hanging around. Uh, really? Me too. I know, Gravedigger. <laughs> uh, I kind of I feel the same way that Dan feels. Like, this is something you're going to have eyes on. So maybe I'm picking in lieu of you handling the work side of this. We will decide. Very uh, well but done. I think if, if you look back at how they dealt, how the Titans beat the Colts the first time, 24 to 17, a couple weeks back. The Titans didn't have a player with more than 38 yards receiving, but it was one of our indicators that Derrick Henry, I think, is having, I mean, he's looking, he looks good. And that was a game where they also hassled Matt Ryan into three sacks, an interception, a lost fumble is one of his worst games. So if you're the Colts, because you're going to get Jonathan Taylor back, Naheem Hines is practicing again, you're going to get him back. Do you go back to what you think you were last year, this run-heavy team against 
the Titans? Or do you try to maybe duplicate some of what happened last week when Matt Ryan, I thought, finally played a game where he looked competent and quite dangerous and they were more of an air team than they were a ground team? Yeah, these teams developed during the course of the season, and, and they're a different team than the, the one that played the Titans a, a month ago. Graver, I'm sure you're a little concerned that they're coming up with solutions. Dennis Kelly played at left tackle last week. He quickly replaced their draft pick, and he played well and kind of solidified their offensive line a little bit. Alec Pierce uh, has come along as a nice rookie uh, wide receiver. Deion Jackson is like a nice little backup. Like They're finding things on offense, and I, I feel like – these teams never, uh, I was going to say, it feels like they never sweep each other, but the Titans have beaten them four straight. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Dennis Kelly revenge game. He was a right tackle oh, for wow. the Titans. Now he's supplanted and you wonder Bernard why this, Raymond. You know, t- this game got drafted so late. Well, hey, you know what? This is the uh, second closest spread of any of the Sunday games tied with the Chiefs, two and a half point favorites on the road. Titans, two and a half point favorites at home. It's like going to be a close game, most likely. It's a huge AFC South divisional game to position whoever wins with a lead going down the stretch where they don't play each other again. This is also the Colts' fifth division game in seven weeks, which is crazy. That's so stupid. It is. Um, and the CBS crew has their fifth CBS fifth-ranked crew out of the five CBS games. I don't really get that's it. That's low key. Here's why. Here. People don't Yeah, watch it. Yeah. Hey, well, Gravedigger, yes. you're our AFC South consigliere. Keep going. I think the... Colts are going to stick to this passing approach because it worked so well last week, number one. And number two, the Titans' defensive strength is their run-stopping defensive line. They have been torched through the air all season. They've allowed 300-yard passers in four straight games. I think Matt Ryan's going to probably hit that number again in this one. That doesn't necessarily mean the Colts win, but I do think it's going to be like a 50-plus attempt game again for Matt Ryan trying to attack a weaker Titans secondary and staying away from the Titans' strength, which is running. I will be interested to see if Shaquille Leonard makes his return. He's back well, at practice. Yeah, he's practicing. And, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor also, it was a week ago where he was sort of said, like, on the ankle, it's just not right. And, I, I mean, he'll he'll play, but I wonder if we're going to get last year's version of Jonathan Taylor at all this season or if not for a while. Because when you hear ankle injury running back and it wasn't good a week ago, I don't know if this is the guy you lean on the same way that you that, as, as, a, as a last season. And I know it must be super annoying, Gravedigger. We've, we've talked about this that the Colts are in pretty good position. And, uh, you know, I called it out on Sunday's show that, you know, to have 58 pass attempts as the Colts did and and Ryan not to get sacked. These are all positive signs that Indy is out of the darkest winter of their season, which often is the beginning now. Um, But, you know, the Titans, I just, I feel good about your Titans here, uh, Justin. I think they're coming off a bye week. Uh, Henry finding his way. I think Tannehill will make some plays here. And this feels like a good Tennessee setup to really take control and sweep the, if you can sweep this series, uh, unless you're hot about Jacksonville again, maybe they do show Vegas to be smart and they're back in the race. That's a pretty commanding lead if they can get a W here. Yeah, I think it's a huge game for the Titans. And I actually feel good about the Titans in this one because Mike Vrabel's record coming off of a bye or off of a Thursday night game, I wish I had it in front of me. It's really good. Just make it, it up. And two make it up. Or something. A- 75 and 4. No, it's not that high, but it is really, really good. And so I, I think the Titans will be well prepared. They're better rested than this Colts team coming into this game. I think it's going to be another game where they get Derrick Henry heavily involved in the passing game, like with five catches for 80 yards or something for Henry in this game. And. I think the Titans could win it 
not comfortably, but more comfortably than they've won any game that they've won this wow. year. Wow. I mean, he's only coached for four years before this, Justin. Right. So your options are really 4 and 0 or three and one. Well, also including uh, the break after a, a Thursday night game. I oh that ten, now you're more just than like ten days to prepare. That's, more that's, than ten that's days to prepare. That's, that's if I could thing. get personal for a moment here, the best career advice I ever got it was at the Super Bowl about ten years ago, and I was lucky enough to run into John Madden um, at a restroom um, at a restaurant, and uh, I was a little shy. Um, obviously, and it was the bathroom, so it was kind of weird. But um, as he was walking out, I, I came up to him. And I told him I was a huge fan and how important he's been, what, what a figure he was in my childhood. And like he looked me right in the eyes, gave like a good handshake and, and said to me, the one this is the advice I'll give you. And take this with you. If you don't know a stat or something, just make it up. <laughs> and then he did a fist pump. And uh, that's amazing. And. and that was, and he walked away. That's incredible advice. That's a true story. How have I never heard this story? That's I do have, of course, that's not a true story. Yeah. That was completely made up. I well, that you're taking All the made it. up advice to make things up. But uh, the Titans are four and zero after their buy in the Mike Vrabel era with an 82 point differential over those four games. They're scoring 33 points per game and allowing 12.5. Tennessee okay. has won we, by we, 20 right, plus right, points. Okay, actually, yeah, another advice he said: don't don't say it's stats when they're just kind of made up. Dan, you should not have Those acknowledged that that was um, a fictitious story <laughs> yeah. because I think the we, uh, people would have been thinking about that for the next ten years. He was outside the bathroom. He gave you a fist bump. Like, let's let's uh, uh, let's close there. the curtain on AFC South Consigliere, Justin. Graver. I think that Mike Rabel is one of the most underrated coaches in the entire right, league. That doesn't. That also that drop doesn't need to exist. <laughs> Justin, you've gone too far, but we still love you. Sorry. Uh, All right, close it out, Greg. Unbelievably. Sure, the Washington Commanders last. That makes sense. But the Green Bay Packers, the final pick of a draft. Yeah, that's rough. I um, And I'm not looking forward to watching this in particular, uh, despite the you know, presence of Taylor Heineke back in our lives. Uh, he says he was a little overwhelmed last year as a starter. He feels like he'll be uh, more prepared for it. And they can throw the ball around a little bit. They have weapons. And the Packers' defense tends to lose guys in coverage. They've had a couple guys who had total career years a year ago, Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas, who aren't playing bad this year, but they're not playing like amazing anymore. And it just doesn't seem to be a very aggressive or particularly well-coached defense. They let passes uh, and receptions happen in front of them and just try to make the tackle while giving up 13 yards at a time. So it... I'm, I don't know why I feel crazy. I know the commanders have scored 12 points a game since uh, week three, yet I kind of feel like this game will be close at the end because most Packers games are. I think it will be too. I mean, the Packers have scored 10 points in six quarters. They look fairly broken on offense to me. Like, I thought, if anything, if you're not going to have a coordinated passing attack, let Aaron Jones be the heart of the offense. That's not been the case. And, I mean, I don't love Washington in any game, but I do like Taylor Heineke Honestly, better than Carson Wentz. I'm probably in the vast minority there. I just think there's something to his game where it's not a big drop-off. And I think maybe that this is a team that needed a quarterback switch for multiple reasons. And if you get Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen against a Packers offensive line that has major issues last night that was wrecked last week by Quinn and Williams, maybe you've got to find a way into this fourth quarter. And if something happens, the Packers become one of the most disappointing teams Ooh. in the entire conference. Yeah, I, I think or they get right. Yeah, I think they're going to get right. I like them in this game a lot. And I think Matt LaFleur will 
look hard in the mirror after watching the game tape against the Jets and say, what am I, how am I still giving Aaron Jones game scripts where he has three touches in the first half against the Jets? They, they have to understand. And I, listen, that man knows more about offensive football uh, in his pinky than old Zeuser or any of us for that matter. So take well, that. Well, don't include, but don't the, necessarily include. Not Mark, not Mark. My pinky is yeah. awesome. My pinky is so smart. But at the same time, like, don't overthink it. Your offensive passing game is just not there right now. And you have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that might be playing through an injury. Uh, they're obviously going to keep that quiet. Uh, but he was clearly favoring his, his right throwing thumb during that game against the Jets. I'm going to say it again. Give the ball to Aaron Jones like the Browns should be giving the ball to Nick Chubb. Get A.J. Dillon involved. Make it a running attack. And then if the offensive passing game comes back and they figure some things out, then you can make it more balanced. It's okay to play through your running game even though you have Aaron Rodgers. Unless Aaron Rodgers isn't going to let that uh, go. But at the same time, where the Packers are at a 500 team that looks like a 500 team at best, it's time to make some changes. Good mm. opponent for now, him, though. You, you kind of convinced me, yeah, like, wow, this is even a better lock maybe than the, than the one I have. Just because, like, hey, it's it's still the Green Bay Packers. Greg does this every I know. week with the self-machinations the, the, and the I'm just saying, of, like, of the lock. It, if you had told us before the season, hey, you got a chance to lock up the Packers over the Commanders, it's like week seven. That that sounds They uh, were pretty, pretty bad, delicious. though, Greg. Green Bay was pretty no, bad. I get it. On there, it does sound delicious. That's why I'm doing it. Okay, I'm there locking he up is. the Packers. Yeah. Uh, that's, I like that lock. Uh, that makes sense. It also feels like the thing you do before we find out the Packers are even more broken than we realize. Ooh, but that, that's wishful say. thinking. So you the moved off the three. Ravens. That See, I, I kind of think that's a, a smart move. No, that was Gravedigger is locking up the Packers. I, I oh, am staying oh, with the Ravens yeah. at this he point. He inserted himself back into the show, yeah. uh, you know, mercilessly. Uh, no, it's not my fault you drafted this game last, right after the <laughs> Titans game. Yeah, uh, it's true. I know, and I have three early games now. It's a whole thing with Shook. Uh, this, why it's is, a problem. Why is Gravedigger not locking up the Titans, by the way? The guy yeah, hates the Colts. He has He's no jinx. respect for the Colts. He it's just said it'd be a, a blowout, too. <laughs> no, I think they win 31 to 24. <laughs> to jinx. I can't jinx them. To, right. to show how Bye, much this season has changed as we say goodbye, the three biggest declines in offensive EPA this season from any team, uh, the, you know, the third biggest decline, the Buccaneers. Second biggest de- decline, the Packers. And the biggest decline is the Rams. It's like all these little superpowers from the NFC and, a year ago who have just hit and that, the skids. And, and Greggy, it looks like it too. That has absolutely been a driving factor in the chaos that we're seeing in the NFL yep. right now, the, the, the big, a lot of these war horses, these powerhouse teams of the past have come down while a lot of the bad teams have come up and it's just creating this like really thick stew. Um, gross. Finally, before we say goodbye, let's check in on those lock of the week standings and see where we are. Old Zeus drops another one with the Ravens falls to four and two grave digger up to four and two Greg four and two. And then Wait Mark and West, both three, the West brothers, both three this and is, three. Uh, by the way, I'm happy this is happening on national what? television. This What's is up? incorrect. I was three and two and won my chargers lock. So uh, I am four and two. Are you sure? I am dead sure. I think we'll just go with three and three. Yeah, though. It's I, I, it I know what, I know what you're doing because this is, a, this is a weekly thing. bit. It's a weekly bit. 
and you've really uh, pushed into it this time, but I am four and two and should be atop the list, I think. Well, I mean, my courageous uh, lock win of a week ago, it happened on Monday night. I mean, the Chargers Chargers didn't lose. I think everyone lost in that game, so I think I'm giving you a loss for that game. You don't decide anything remotely close to this contest. uh, Marty, do you want to know how the sausage gets made a little bit on this one? I'm pretty sure I know, but you could you could tell everyone else if you'd like. Some people behind the glass wanted it to say one in five for Mark, but I was like, no. Uh, what will get him much more mad if you just miss it by one? <laughs> I thought it was five and one to be honest, but I'll I'll four and two it is. Clowns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you to everyone for watching the Friday Fun Show uh, tomorrow. That's live. That's interactive. So make sure you're there at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. London Happy Hour. And then, yes, the flagship program Sunday night where we go over every game we just previewed. Until then, Dan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm. The old boss, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.